Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Peter Dowdle, Irishgardener.com, joining us on the programme this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. And judging by the huge number of questions in for you today, lots of people, I think, are spending lockdown out and about in the garden and getting out and about in between the showers. Yeah, it's it's kind of, <laughs> I think it's got to the point in the last couple of weeks where showers are not, you just got to get out, haven't you, for your yeah. headspace. But yeah, I think I think so many people, we talked about it briefly last week, but so many people are, are using the, the opportunity of lockdown, if you want to call it that, uh, to, to get out into the garden and, and to spend some time outside. And you can start to see the growth, which is fantastic. <laughs> you can, and the first of the spring bulbs are even poking their heads up over yeah. the soil. Some of the very early daffs are in flower. I got pictures to my Facebook page over Christmas of daffodils in flower. So, yeah. Yeah, and actually last weekend, after, or last Wednesday, when we were talking with you and we mentioned the daffodils just beginning to come up, up uh, overground, uh, the amount of listeners that contacted us said, yeah, they're in full bloom in my garden or I was driving somewhere and, and I saw them, which is great. And that goes back to you, uh, the advice you always give about staggering the planting of the bulbs so that you can get some early ones and then you can get ones later. Yeah, so when your daffodil bulbs should be planted in the autumn. And so if you plant them over... As you say, if you stagger the planting over kind of six or eight weeks, that that means when they bloom, they'll bloom over a longer period too. But of course, there are there are different varieties as well. Some varieties will will flower in December every year, December January, whereas others will be in March. So there are there's thousands of different varieties of daffodil, believe it or not, or narcissus, uh, and depending on the variety, will also determine their the time of flowering. Okay, let's get straight into questions. Anne says, question for Peter, please. I have four bare, it says barefoot, but I'm assuming bare root apple trees to plant. How far apart do I plant them? Well, it depends. Yeah, I imagine that's predictive text. I imagine it is bare root apple trees, which means apple trees that aren't grown in in a pot. So in terms of how how close together do you plant them, several questions come from that in other words do you want them to touch each other do you want to do you want to kind of train them that they're going to be, to be touching each other or do you want freestanding trees so let's presume that she just wants freestanding trees and the question is kind of more how close should they be in terms of for the pollinators because also depending on the apple tree will determine the overall height and spread so i would certainly be leaving four or five meters between each tree uh, to allow them to have a good height and sp- or to have a good spread without encroaching on each other. Uh, and I mean, five, five, ten metres even more is fine for the pollinators, just so long as they're in the same garden. I mean, the bees will fly fly between them no matter how how far away they are, really, so long as they're in the same garden. 
Okay, Helena says, I moved my wedding tier tree and another tree during last weekend. Is there any aftercare that I should now be giving them? We had the, we had a very similar question, if not the same, last year about somebody moving a, a wedding cake tree. And uh, the wedding cake tree, it's, it's either the Cornus Controversa, which is a bit of a mouthful of a name, or the Viburnum Mauritii, both of which are referred to often as a wedding cake tree. It's probably the Cornus. Um, the, the, there's no real aftercare in terms of like normally when you're moving something, I would always recommend to cut it back. So you're cutting it back over the ground to counteract root damage under the ground. But you can't really, I wouldn't really recommend doing that with, <clears throat> with the wedding cake tree because it's grown very much for, as the common name kind of tells you, it's grown very much for that tiered shape. So if you start interfering with that by pruning it, you you could, you know, you could ruin the lovely shape. So I wouldn't cut it back so much. Maybe the tips of it, particularly if they start dying back over the next couple of months, cut them back. But the most, most, most important thing to pay attention to over the next number of months uh, is water. I know people are listening to the radio going, I can't believe he's talking about water with the amount of rain that's falling from the sky. But over the next few months, the plant actually doesn't really need the water now, but it's it's from kind of March onwards when it comes back into growth right through the summer, the roots have been damaged in the move. So you will need to pour water onto that plant in the spring and summer. Could you ask Peter, is it too early to prune my roses? Uh, no, I wouldn't say it's too early at all. I normally like to have my roses pruned before the end of February. God, it's hard to believe we're in February already, but uh, before the end of February, uh, you really have up to the end of March to do them really. But but uh, no, I wouldn't say they're too early, but I would get out and do them now. Uh, Mary in Wild West, when should I put seeds into my greenhouse? I've started them off indoors. They're sweet peas and they're about six inches in height now. Well, when she says she started them off indoors, I'm guessing she means like in the kitchen or something like that. Uh, but the greenhouse would, would still classify as indoors in terms of seeds. So you, you could absolutely find to move your sweet peas into the, the greenhouse. Now, uh, I, I did the same. I planted, started my sweet peas probably September, September, October, and they're fine plants now already. They're, they're indoors. They're in a kind of an unheated uh, greenhouse. Uh, and I'll plant them out in, in probably April, May, when the hopefully when the risk of frost is subsiding. But in terms of when can she move them from her kitchen to her greenhouse, absolutely, you should be safe to do that now. But don't move them outside until the weather starts to warm up. Am I safe to cut Red Robin now, asks Mary in Carrigaline? Yeah, well, I, 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 like, I like the bit, am I safe to do it? I'm going to say yes, right? But I'm going to qualify it in a second. So yes, cut your red robin now. And the more you prune them, the bushier they'll be. And that lovely, the, the more of that lovely red growth you'll get. And I, I, I think a well-kept red robin bush or red robin hedge looks stunning. But equally, I think a poorly maintained one looks less than stunning, if you know what I mean. So I'm going to qualify it by saying it now. Yes, you could do it now, but of course we're not out of the woods in terms of, of frost and maybe even snow and low temperatures. In fact, February is very often our coldest month. Sorry to be the harbinger of doom there. But um, uh, if you cut them back, let's say today, that will promote some new growth. And then if we get a cold spell, that new growth is ver- going to be very, very tender and vulnerable vulnerable to frost damage. So, And it'll go black. So if that happens you know, don't don't give up. That, that'll only be very temporary damage. So cut it back now because February really, second half of February in particular is really the time to do it. Um, if we get a late frost or even snow afterwards, it will hopefully only be superficial damage. So don't worry. Okay. Is it okay, says a texter, to cut back mallow, rose of Sharon and broom now? And I'm hoping that they all make sense. That's not predictive text. Yeah, the, the, no, they do. They okay. do. Um, Rose, Rose of Sharon, uh, I would say yes. It's the Hypericum. Um, so yes, because that will flower later on in the year. The 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 broom or Cytesis, 
I would say, yes, it's safe to cut it back now, but I wouldn't cut it back now because it's already got its flower buds set on the stem. So if you cut the broom back now, um, you lose any flower buds. And the thing is with broom anyway, unfortunately, they don't they don't respond particularly well to a hard prune. A general trim just after flowering every year, gentle trim rather, just after flowering every year is what I would do for the brooms. They're one of these plants like lavenders and hebes and they need to be trimmed regularly. They'll never respond well to a hard haircut. So I'd leave the broom alone, leave them flower now when they do in a couple months time. And then after that, just trim them back. And the other one was the mallow. I wouldn't cut it back now because whilst I was saying with the, the red robin, if we get frost damage, it'll only be superficial. If you cut back the mallow now, it will also promote some new growth and frost damage there could be could be the end of the road for so, it. so hold I would off wait on that. probably April yeah okay yeah. Mary got a present of a Ponsetti a few weeks before Christmas some of the leaves have started to fall off and the flowers I'm assuming she means the coloured leaves uh, are beginning to wither what should I do to keep it as long as possible the flowers are red and the others is a white variegated I'm wondering uh, will I be able to keep it till next year thanking you for all the gardening tips says Mary well Mary, with all my advice, you've managed to keep your Ponsettia for, I'd say, about five weeks longer than I've managed to keep. Yeah, mine, mine was gone a week after Christmas. <laughs> my, my mind didn't even make it to Christmas. Did it not? Oh, it no. Been before that. <laughs> I was laughing. Um, uh, so I can give the textbook advice. I, I'll give you the advice on what to do with it, though I'm hopeless with them. Uh, a lovely, bright, sunny position in as constant temperature as possible. Okay, and I know what happened. Mine, it got a draft, and it got it before I got it home. It was my own fault because I had it. I had it at work with me. Uh, so, with all the advice I gave, I didn't live by it. Um, so, keep it draft free, uh, as as bright a position in the in the house as possible. So, in other words, you don't want it next to a radiator or next to a window or next to a door where the temperature is fluctuating and drafts are getting at it. Um, water it really just keep it kind of generally moist and it doesn't like ice cold water from the tap it likes it to be kind of slightly lukewarm and i don't normally deal with fussy plants i can't be dealing with them they need to survive but even with the pancetti as i was giving it tepid water and everything and it does react better to that believe it or not uh they're native to mexico you see so when you think about it if it was in mexico it wouldn't want ice cold water <laughs> either um but so uh keep it generally keep it moist draft free sunny position uh, and, and really follow that, follow those guidelines and, and that's as much as you can do. But as I say, you've managed to get it going five weeks longer than mine, so you're not doing too bad. Advice, please, for Pauline in the city on pruning apple trees and fruit trees for the first time. Well, for, if it's for the first time, then I'm presuming they're generally uh, young plants. So they're probably only a couple of years. You you just have a bit of what's called formative pruning, which is you, you'd identify the main stems and always what you want to bear in mind. And this is true whether it's formative pruning or, or what we call restorative pruning in an older, mature plant. The, the, the same principles are true. You always want to create and maintain an open centre to the fruit tree. So... What that means is you don't want branches crossing each other and a lot of congestion in the centre of the bush. You want it good and open. That allows good air circulation, Trish. And uh, a good air circulation is essential to prevent the development of fungal infections like scab and botrytis and mould and mildew, which will thrive in, in areas of congestion and poor air circulation. So you want the opposite. So also, if you have branches that are crossing each other, they'll, they'll rub against each other and, and that leads to wounds in the bark. And again, it's like our own skin. That's where infection will come in. So you want to prevent that, avoid that. So prune to, to maybe five or six branches if, if it's a, a big enough plant, uh, but all kind of facing out, if, if you can understand what I'm saying, as opposed to facing in. 
Uh, and also, if you can identify the fruiting spurs, which look at this time of the year, they just look like very, very swollen leaf buds. They're much more swollen than a normal leaf bud. They're fruiting spurs, which, uh, as the name suggests, that's where your fruit is going to come next year. So you want to, you want to try and keep as many of them as possible uh, whilst removing crossing branches and, and to maintain a, as good an open centre as possible. Okay, actually, when we're talking about daffodils, uh, Jane from Ballylicky said, I have my first daffodils blooming today. Yippee. And Liz says, uh, Peter, uh, Peter, I have a rose that is ready to open in skull. That's early, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well. Yeah. Or is it last it's, year's? Is it early or is it late? No, I was yeah, just going to say, go. yeah, I wonder is it last year's? I wonder is it last year's? I should stay it on. Is. It's probably last year's, is it? Yeah, it's the tail end. It's, it's it's still flowering, if you like, from last summer exactly. So it hasn't. I'm taking it that it hasn't been cut back yet after last year. And this is the thing with roses. And we often talk about this, Trish, like about leaving roses go to the last minute because particularly during December and January, it's very common to have a few blooms in them. And why not enjoy them? Uh, but we're at the stage now. The new growth will be beginning in a couple of weeks, please God. Uh, so I would I would cut them back before that happens as opposed to wait for that to happen because if you wait for that to happen and then cut them back, well, then you're sacrificing uh, some of the growth for next year. So I'd cut them back now. Enjoy the one that's opening up into bloom uh, and then cut them back, I would say. Okay, you've just answered the question that a lot of people are asking about is when to, when to cut back the uh, roses. Kitty in North Cork is wondering about peony roses. When is the best time to feed them and does she need to feed daffodils? Uh, I wouldn't be too concerned about feeding daffodils, no. And in fact, with any established plant in the garden, they sh- an established plant really shouldn't need feeding, provided the, the, they're like most things. If, if they've got the right conditions in the first place, then, then nature and the soil should give them every nutrient and, and mineral that they need. But so daffodils particularly should be fine. I would just look at maybe lifting and dividing them every four or five years. Uh, if you wanted to, you could could feed them with something like the nature safe tomato food with seaweed as they're dying back into the ground just to, to make sure that they have enough nutrients for next year the peonies i would feed with the nature safe uh, tomato food the one with the, the added liquid seaweed from from galway um because the more that you give it the, the better the flowers and the blooms are going to be too early to start feeding it yet i wouldn't start feeding it really until you see the first bit of growth coming up through over the ground which will probably be sometime in march okay and thank you to somebody who sent me on a gorgeous because daffodils are my favorite flowers gorgeous picture of daffodils from Beira, and they're just they're absolutely uh, stunning enjoy uh listen says hi i've rushes growing in a lawn that was reseeded last year what would peter recommend it's a difficult one to answer. It's 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 the soil that you're in. Obviously, it's 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 wet soil. Rushes are a sign of very damp, very wet soil. Often, just because of a high water table, but also often because of compacted soil. So, it's hard to advise without kind of walking on the grass and seeing it. If if it's just a high water table and it's a it's a wet, boggy area, then really there's, there's very little advice I can give except maybe just digging them out every time you see them. If it's if it's not a particular necessarily a waterlogged area. Uh, it could be soil compaction, so it depends on which is hold makes that this means that the soil is holding the water. So if it's a new home or you know relatively new, or there was machinery worked on there over the last few years, that would lead to soil compaction. If that is the case, or if you think that is the case, the the, the solution really is to go in and, and work the soil and put in grit to 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 open up the pores and things like that. It's a lot of work. Um, it, re- it really is a lot of work and you're not guaranteed to success out of it. So I'm sorry I don't have a magic wand on that one. Is there, as Alyssa says, is there anything I could do to generate growth in year-old copper beech hedging? 
yes, I would give them a feed. Again, it's a bit too early. I'd wait till March now, but I would feed them with something like I was talking about there, the Nature Safe, but I wouldn't use the tomato food. The, the, the reason I go on about the Nature Safe, Trish, is, well, number one, because it's an Irish product, but also it's it's an organic product and it's made from sustainably harvested cold-pressed seaweed in, in from Galway. <coughs> Excuse me. So it's ticking all the boxes. It's keeping local families employed. They're doing it sustainably and it's organic. So, But it's a very, very good feed to give a general boost to plants um so i would feed it with that nature safe liquid fee- seaweed from probably march onward okay are you still with us yeah you just clipped there yeah. for a second okay and somebody says can i cut a laurel hedge now uh, yes you can i would get get that cut this month certainly okay all right and you um what are you up to you want you want to you want to mention something that you're up to well, I don't not, not mention something that I, I'm up to particularly. Okay. I just want to apologise to I, I want to apologise to oh. people particularly because um, I'm getting just far too many emails and, and messages about questions, individual questions, and I just want to apologise in advance. There's no physical way I'm afraid I can get to to answer all of them. Um, so if you ha- are emailing me or Facebook messaging me, um, and if I'm not replying, it's not out of bad manners. It's just I just physically Swamped. don't have the time. Um, so I'm, I'm delighted to do it on the radio. And if by all means, put up, uh, send questions into Facebook onto my page, because the community of people that, that follow the page will answer it as well. But I'm afraid if you're if you're emailing me directly, I'm sorry to say, don't expect an answer. Okay. It's, and it's not out of bad manners. You're, too, you're way it. too busy. You're way too busy. And it just shows yeah. how gardening has taken off, which is, which is terrific. OK, listen, have a lovely week Brilliant. and uh, we will talk to you next week. Thanks, Trish. Thanks for that. Bye bye. That is uh, Peter Dowdle of the theirishgardener.com. Do I have a couple of minutes? I do. I just want to quickly run down uh, through a couple of really nice texts that came in, particularly about the Gardaí. Uh, a listener says, hi, I am Swiss, born in South Africa and living in Ireland. So the Garda Jerusalem video pulled at all of my heartstrings. Thank you to each and every one of the Gardaí that uh, took part. And someone else says, Patricia, do you know that one of the Gardaí dancers toured with uh, Riverdance for six years? Yeah, it's the girl out the front in the Temple Moor section, the really good Irish dancer. Yeah, I did read that. I didn't realise it was six years. I knew she had been performed uh, with Riverdance. Cathy said, Gardaí video, brilliant. I've looked at it several times with much, much uh, enjoyment. Jackie Amalo says, well, I think the Gardaí are absolutely brilliant. They certainly cheered me up. I lost my father recently. Sorry to hear that, Jackie. And he would have loved to have seen this video. Uh, what is what is wrong with the people that are giving out? Some people can be so miserable. We all need to smile. We all need to laugh whenever we can. And we'll take it from wherever we can get it at the moment. Uh, Jackie, stay safe. And once again, sympathies on the passing of your dad. And someone says, well done to a guy that she and their dance. We have a multi-talented force and as a nation I believe they are appreciated. And Tim and Bannon says when people ever lighten up and stop complaining about the Gardaí, they're human beings too and their moods need to be lifted like everybody else's. If they can bring into our lives and theirs go if they can bring a smile into our lives and theirs then please go first. They're manning checkpoints trying to keep us safe. Even the same people that are complaining. I have total respect says uh, Tim 
Tim in Bandon for members of Angarda Shikona. And then I'm also getting in a lot of texts from people saying that they have loved ones and relatives from all over the world who are watching it because it's gone, it's gone viral and it will, you wait and see as the weeks go on, it'll, it, there'll be millions will end up having seen it and the amount of people that are contacting, loved ones that are contacting their families from home to say a, a spot at the Angarda Shikona and I'm getting calls in and texts in from Australia, from America, from right across Europe and people are loving, our diaspora around the world are loving to see it and very proud of the beautiful country in which we live which is great. And then just a couple of texts in for in defence of teachers, Margaret says and this was because Tim Tim was saying the teachers are sitting at home doing nothing. Margaret says, Patricia, how would those negative people, would those negative people ever get over themselves? They're criticising the teachers continuously and now they're deciding today to have a go about the guards. Would these people ever chill? They might give the Taoiseach a break also in these very uncertain times in which we live. And why is there such hatred, says another texter, against teachers and continuous teacher bashing when teachers are doing their utmost for their students in these unprecedented times? Perhaps those trolls think they could do a better job. That's the mum of an extremely hardworking uh, teacher. Thank you for that. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Stay safe. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.